In a world searching for meaning and hope, there's a place where voices rise. Welcome to the Repurpose Podcast Network, your haven for podcasts that envelops the everyday lives of believers. Shows about relationships, news, sports, and so much more. With so much negative content defining the Black experience, controlling the narrative is on the forefront. We amplify, elevate, empower Black creators to share with the world their thoughts and ideas. Tune in and unlock a world of captivating content that entertains and uplifts. The Repurpose Network. One message, many voices. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the James Taylor Jr. Podcast, where we at Atlanta West Studios. I almost forgot how to say that. Yeah, we're in Atlanta West Studios, a place I love, uh, with a great leader here, which is a good friend of mine. I am excited about today's conversation, because today we're going to talk about oneness. Yep, we're going to talk about oneness and relationships, and I'm going to challenge a lot of you who can't keep nobody, because <laughs> you have had... Uh, bad experiences. And I want to start out by challenge you, uh, challenging you on why that happens. I think a lot of times when we talk about relationships, we always talk about a relationship from the standpoint of what we can get, but not what we can give. Listen to me. Imagine if two people spent the majority of the time trying to outlove each other instead of spending the majority of the time trying to figure out how somebody, oh, did I spit? Spinning out how, <laughs> spinning out. I'm not going to take this out because it's just too funny. But spend more time figuring out how to love each other instead of tearing each other down. Instead of you going into a relationship saying, how come you don't do things the way I want them done? Ask yourself, have you actually gotten to the relationship and said, man, I wonder what I could do better to make this person know that I love them, that I need them, that I care for them. And if both parties were doing that, You'd be spending all day talking about, no, I know you ain't just buy a better gift than I did. Watch me come back with this one. Oh, I know you ain't love me that way. I'm about to love you even better. Oh, into me, you see. Well, into you, I see. And I'm going to spend my time trying to learn and figure out ways to just study you and understand you. I would even go as far as say a lot of people don't know how to uh, really love their mate because they don't take the time to learn their mate. They spend more time trying to figure out what their mate needs to do for them. But if you spend more time trying to love your mate and understand them, it would be great. But I'm going to use this verse right here in the Bible. For those of you who don't like the Bible, you could just pause it right here or fast forward this part, and then you can listen to the rest of it. But watch this. It says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, both people should submit to one another. So if anybody gives you this argument, this frivolous argument where women should submit to men and men should not submit to women. And let's be clear about what it means by submit. Let me read another version to you for those of you who like to just cause drama and fight for no reason. Okay? I ain't going to tell you to fight with your mom. I'm going to tell you to fight with yourself because we don't like to fight our mamas. I think that's weird when people say that. But listen to what it just says. It says submit to one another. Submitting to one another. Out of respect, courtesy, reverent to one another. Uh-oh, hold up. 
that means that we both submit to each other. And I get what you're saying. There is a leader in this process, which is supposed to be the man. But I tell a man all the time, you may be the head, but your wife should be the neck. Because just in case you get turned in the wrong way, she can get you back on track. That'll help you when you get home. For wives, that means submit to your husbands as the head, right, as unto the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. But watch this. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so the wife should submit to her husbands and everything. But y'all don't like this part, man. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean and washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present him, her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually love, actually shows love for her for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. I like this verse. Because of the simple fact, it challenges us as men to love the women in our lives in a way where we die for them, we have information to pour into them, we treat them the way we would want to be treated, and we hold them in high self-esteem. When you do those things as a man, it helps you to be better. This whole notion that a man is supposed to have a woman just reverence him and follow everything is not out of control, it's out of compatibility. It is out of submission. It is out of you as a man willing to serve your own wife. So don't expect a woman to serve you if you can't serve her. Don't expect a woman to submit to you if you can't submit to her. If you have a great idea, she has a great idea. The woman that you love, and I need to say this, just be mad with me, okay? Be mad with me. The woman that God gives you, the woman that you love, you care for, should not stand behind you, should not stand in front of you, should not be treated better than you. But she stands beside you, which leads me to my first point. One plus one equals one. It talks about the two shall become one flesh, right? Like you two shall become one. The more time you spend with each other, the more you hear each other, you finish each other's sentences. You know how each other moves because you spent that time together. And the title of this is very important to me. The power of oneness. One plus one equals one. The power of oneness, one plus one equals one. The first point is partner. She stands beside you. You submit to one another. Y'all took the word submission and y'all made it poison. Y'all took the word submission and you made it a competition and you made it some authoritarian thing where you got to control somebody and make them feel less than. It is the dumbest thing that I've ever seen. And what happens is a lot of you, and I need to make this a side note, y'all starting to co-op words and then every time somebody says it, it's a trigger for you. And some of you, it's a fake trigger. You just use it because you don't want to hear it. No, the word submission is not a bad word. It is not a bad word. You people make it a bad word. Not everybody. Not everybody makes submission a bad word. And I, I want to be clear. Accept or yield to a superior force, to the authority or the will of another person. Listen to this, subject to a particular process, subject to a particular process. This is a verb, accept, yield. That means you have to choose to allow that person in your life to lead you. You as a man have to choose to take the advice of the wife where she lets you lead. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A woman is choosing to let you lead her and a man is choosing 
to let a woman give him the advice he needs while he leads her. No one is subject or, or, or subject to be embedded in another person. The two shall become one. One plus one equals one. And I'm going to say it again because I think a lot of people don't get that, which leads me to my next point. Everything that you have in this relationship should be led by passion. And what I mean by passion is love. I'm going to use all P's so you can, you can follow me easily, okay? The partner, two and two, right? One plus one equals one in this scenario. We know it's not good math, but it's good relationship, right? And then the second thing is passion. You should love that person unconditionally. And I hate the way you got to take that word unconditional. That means that a person can do whatever they want to do. No, the word unconditional means I love you the same in spite of all the wrong or the right you may do. That doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do to me unconditionally. It just means I love you unconditionally, whether you're doing right or doing wrong, whether you're free or in jail, whether you uh, get it right or get it wrong. I still love you the same. I might not still be with you. I might not still always be your friend. I might not always be able to be around you, but I still love you the same. My love doesn't go down because you're not perfect. So stop this whole unconditional way. It's like somebody can do whatever they want to do. We take words and we make them what we want to, but you got to read a word in context in order to give it in context, right? In order to give people proper content. You got to know what you're talking about. Don't just say something to say it. So when I love you, I want to love you in a way that when you fail, I don't stop loving you, but I'm going to correct you. I'm going to say we can't no longer do this. We can't no longer operate this way. But my condition, the condition of my heart doesn't change, but the condition of the habits may change. I hope I'm helping somebody because a lot of times when we talk about this stuff, we talk about it from an immature place and we need to stop lying to each other about the unconditional love of God. And for those of you who want to know, you can go to, right, 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, where it says love is patient, love is kind. This is talking about the heart of the individual, but that doesn't mean the habits don't need to change. It doesn't mean that the behavior doesn't need to change. It just means that I love you in spite of all that you may do or don't do. The second thing that I think is, third thing, excuse me, that's so important that I think we need to add to this conversation is that you need to be uh, uh, full of purpose. You need to have an identity and you need to have direction. And let me be clear what I mean by identity. You need to know who you are. And then you need to know where you're going with who you are. And that's why when people get into relationships, people get into relationships looking for somebody to give them an identity. Ladies, let me tell you something. Every father should teach his daughter to know who she is. I have two beautiful daughters. I am a widower. My wife, before she left this earth, instilled in my daughter some very valuable things. I, as a man, though, am instilling them a value of having an identity uh, uh, before they get into a relationship. I have one daughter, Julia, who's amazing. She's like a dad. She has a lot of minimalist tendencies like me. We'll go to Subway, eat fresh. We'll go walk in the park, and she'll be just fine. But I want to tell you a story. My baby daughter, Jalen, is bougie. I mean, I'm bougie too, so I don't want nobody to play with me because I know some of y'all who know me are coming, get on your little social media platforms and kind of expose me. But my daughter, bougie, bougie, okay? <laughs> Let me say this. When she was, I think, about 12, I had took, I do daddy-daughter dates. I date my daughters, not in that weird way some of you clowns do. I'm talking about date my daughters to give them an example of what they need before they get married. Open the door for them. 
Just yesterday, my daughter came out of her majorette. Uh, she's a majorette. She's in the band. I carried her bag from her classroom band practice to the car because I want her to know what it's like to have somebody take care of her. I'm that dude. I'm him. So when my daughter gets married, she going to get a man. He going to go, well, my dad did this. He going to be like, well, I'm not your dad. And I'm like, you need to get going because I'm setting a standard for my daughter. But she has her own identity. And when we went out to eat one time, I was like, why you got to keep buying all this stuff? Why you got to get steak and regular this? And she started crying. She said, Daddy, you would take me out where I want to go based on what I like and based on who I am. See, my daughter at 12 knew her identity. This child dresses up for everywhere she goes. She don't never look bad going nowhere. That's who she is. She likes to get her feet, her hair, and her nails done, and daddy's paying for it. Well, right now she got in trouble, so we're going to skip one of these appointments. <laughs> we're going to skip it. You understand? You have to do what you're supposed to do to get those treatments. Eh? But she now knows that's what she wants. And not only is she that way, what she was doing was she was reminding me that I told her I would love her for who she is. And that's what a lot of you fail in relationships in. You don't know your identity. So a woman walks into a relationship with a man expecting a man to reveal to her who she is as well as love her for who she is. No, that's too much work. And then you're mad with the man you're in a relationship with because you're trying to get this man to treat you a certain way when you don't even know how you want to be treated. Fellas, you ain't no better. It is even horrible. It is even more dangerous, in my humble opinion, for a man not to know his purpose. Purpose is the original intent for why you exist, right? God give us all an identity. And in that identity, there are also things that happen to you that you grow in. And I want to say this. When you have your identity, and I don't know who's this going to help, but I, I got to say this part, right? When you have your identification, it's easy for you to know your classification. Your identification is exactly who you are, what you believe in, what you stand for, what you like. Then it's easy for you to have a classification because this is what I do. This is where I go. This is how I work. This is the type of money I want to make. Then when you get in a relationship with a young lady, you're not coming in with your high insecure self. That's why a lot of men like to control women. The reason why you want to control somebody because your personal life is out of control. You don't want a woman to have to be with you. You want a woman who wants to be with you. If she has to be with you, the moment she realizes she don't have to, you're going to be alone. And you know what happens? That happens 99.9% .9 of the time where a woman realizes she don't have to be with you. And let me say this. If you have to control her, that means you don't trust her. If you don't trust her, that means you don't believe in her. That means if you don't believe in her, that means who she is, you won't accept her. I hope that helps somebody. You need to go back and listen to that again. I'm not going to say that twice. I want you to follow the video and watch it again. Get, get my ratings up. <laughs> but I say that to you. I'll say it again because I think it's very important. If you have to control the woman that you're with, it says a lot about you as an individual. That means you are highly insecure. If you are highly insecure, that means you won't be able to trust her. It's, it's never about the woman. When you're a man, you are who you are. One thing about us as men, when we are solid in our leadership, we don't have to control nobody. I don't want a woman who has to be with me. I want a woman who wants to be with me, falls in love with me, and then we both need each other because we made a commitment. I'm a helpless romantic. I am not a 50-50 brother. So I'm not controlling anybody. I need somebody that wants to be with me. Because if I'm going to shower you with everything I have and make sure that my umbrella ain't got no holes in it, 
I don't want to be with somebody who don't want to hold the umbrella, if you get what I'm saying. So if I control her, that's because I don't trust her because I'm insecure. And if I don't trust her, and she's going to have these things about me that's going to make it very difficult for me to keep her. You got to grow up as men and realize what you're doing is wrong. So you have to make sure you have purpose. When you have identity, right, and you know exactly who you are and what you're called to do, it also helps you to have good direction. And let me tell you something. You know how they teach in church that the relationship is triune, right? You have a lateral. She's your partner. Remember, I told you she's your partner. I want to make sure I say these things right. You both have passion. You love each other unconditionally. Then you both have purpose, identity, and direction. When you both are lining up with God, you have principles that guide your relationship. You know what you want, this type of house we want to live in. This is the type of car we want to drive. Like, I just paid off my car. You know what I'm saying? I did something when my credit was bad. Uh, my stuff wasn't right. I had the car. They told me if I take care of the car, that the car would be paid off uh, in 10 years, and it would be $60,000. Or I could write a check right now for $27,329.95 and my car would be paid off. I wrote the check. Ain't no way in God's green earth I'm going to have a car where I got all this interest rate. This is the same thing with relationships. You go into the relationship so far in the negative that you're building bad interests because everything about you is baggage, 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 and you bring your luggage. And so as you go through the years, you're so far behind with one another that you don't know what really helps the relationship. You don't know the difference between baggage and luggage. You got so much baggage that what you need in the bag, every time you pull it out, you don't know if it's good for y'all because y'all spend so much time fighting. Because you didn't get a clear identity on who you are. I think every man and woman should sit down, sit down by themselves with their therapist, with their Bible, with their pastor, with their friend, with their God. You got, you got to unpack the, hey amen. I got attitude issues. I need to identify my triggers. I need to identify my selfishness. I need to identify my laziness. I need to identify my anger. And I got to figure out what triggers those things. Because I always say, emotions tell you where you are, but they don't tell you where you're going. I learned that. If I'm going to be healthy in my relationship, I got to first be healthy with myself. If I know my own personal purpose when I meet somebody, I can tell if they're compatible with me or not because I know where I'm going. You know, most people don't know where they're going. Most people look for a relationship to help them know where they're going. Yes, men are leaders, ladies, but no man should lead your identity. Y'all going to be mad. No man should lead a woman's identity. That is not my job. Let me help you out. Let me give you a great example of purpose. This is going to really grow you. Your spouse is not your peace. Your spouse is safe space. Peace is something that you have within. Hmm? The only time you should want peace in a relationship is if you're fighting. But your spouse is not your kumbaya. They're not your zen for that. That's something that's, that's internal. Your spouse is safe, safe space with the peace you already have. If you know who you are, when you get in a relationship with somebody, you are compatible with that person to know that when they see you, they know the things that cause you not to be in your space. Takes you out of your peace. Takes you out of your zone. Let me give you an example. 
I am an extrovert as a communicator. I can get on stage in front of 20, 30,000 to hold an amazing conversation. I can teach very well. God has blessed me to do that. But I'm a huge introvert when I go home. I don't want to be on my phone. I want to read a good book. And one day, I hope to have a woman that I can just spend all my time with. I ain't say kids either, because kids grow up and leave. Love you, babies. Daddy loves you. <laughs> but you can't do certain things for me, okay? All right? I want to be around the person that I love. I want to hug on them. I want to kiss on them. One of the problems with relationships is y'all don't come home loving on each other. Y'all come home drilling each other. A man will walk in the door, the first thing his wife says, oh, I need you to go take care of this list. A man will come in the house and say, babe, the kid's been home all day, you've been home all day, why the house is not clean? You don't know what your spouse day was. The woman should come in and say, babe, I love you, I miss you, let's spend some time together, hold each other, talk to each other. The man should come in and say, hey, babe, I miss you, I love you, let's spend some time together, let's hold each other, let's hug each other. I think every couple should spend 20, 30 minutes when they walk in the door with just each other. Now, if you got small kids, you might have to just sit there and let them play in a little pen or something like that. Put that little fence around them and just hug them while you watch them. That's why a lot of relationships fail, because y'all don't give each other space to love each other. Why am I saying this? Imagine walking in the door before you have kids and just hug on each other and kiss on each other and don't go through the rigmarole of a honey to-do list or go through the rigmarole of looking around to find something wrong or be agitated. I think every man should sit in the car, catch his breath, get his mind together that when he walks in the house, he can love on his wife because she's been home with them kids all day. She's been talking baby for the last 10, 12 hours and then you want to come in here talking about what's for dinner. That's the dumbest thing you could do. The dumbest thing you could do, wife, is come in and give your husband a list or dump the kids on them and just run out the door. There are times for that, but y'all got to build for each other. The kids don't come first. I know a lot of people like to put their children first. That is the dumbest thing to do. I don't care who don't like it. You could be mad with me. I want all the smoke on this one. Y'all should put each other first. You know what? Because you know what happens? Kids grow up and leave, and this is what they say. Why you in my business? Mom and dad, this is my house. This is my marriage. I don't need you to always be speaking into my stuff. You raised me to be independent, now you want to control me. That's right. So a lot of you moms live for your kids. Let me give you a lesson. You live with them, not for them. You are with them to help them to become all they need to be. But if you live for them, then you don't know who you are. Because kids will have their own identity, and you'll start putting in them what you wanted for yourself. You need to stop that foolishness. You need to love each other. Why am I saying this tangent on this part right here? Because it is healthy for the partner to realize that they need to have passion for each other and then they need to have a purpose, which is an identity and a direction for what they need to do in that relationship so that it is healthy. And then the next thing that you need to do, which I just mentioned, is to be present, which means to be fully engaged with limited distractions. I didn't say buy a present. I said be present. Fully engaged with limited distractions. Look at each other. Laugh with each other. Turn your phone off. Spend time with each other. Man, there is nothing more beautiful than engaging and hand-holding, face-kissing, word-encouraging romance with the spouse you have when y'all first come home. I mentioned it before, but I need you to see the beauty in this thing. 
There is nothing more beautiful than you walking with your spouse after they came home for work or taking a weekend together with no distractions, no phone, no TV, and just exploring each other's personality, reconnecting, getting to know each other, building together, laughing together. That's why a lot of y'all don't have healthy marriages because y'all don't spend time doing these things to grow. So I want to say fully engaged. The last two things I want to say is provide and protect. We harp on that all day long. But the provider part, I want to say this. Provider, we know about the financial part. I want to talk about the emotional and the spiritual. Emotionally, men, you need to provide a safe space for your wife to vent her emotions. There is something that I'm going to teach after this one that a lot of people don't like that I say, but I think is very powerful. Let me read this to you. I hope you get this. Women are led by their emotions, but land at logic. Men start at logic, which leads their emotions. In other words, when a woman is um, will be emotional, I give you that. Women know they're like that, but they can get to logic. Don't make it seem like they don't land to logic. They may start out emotional because they're emotional creatures. We're all emotional, but women's emotions are very strong in how they do things. But it lands to logic if it makes sense as a man. And so what has to happen is you as a husband have to allow your woman to go through her emotions and then give her the logic in a loving way. But ladies, at the same time, we got to be honest that we men, (laughs) our logic is not really logical. We'll stand 10 toes down on something as a man and be stubborn. You got to respect me. This is what I want. When you're really not asking for respect, you're asking for trust. Because sometimes, man, you'll say dumb stuff like this. Your lady will say to you, you know what, babe? I just don't like the way you're handling money. You don't respect me. What she's really saying is she don't trust you. And you have to earn that trust. That's why I say words tried by time proves trustworthiness. That means you give a woman your word. She sees how you handle yourself over time and she trusts you. So what you have to do is make sure the logical things that you say to her are actually logical. It is not logical to say to a woman who asks you about how the money is being handled to respect you. That's like saying, just whatever I tell you to do, just respect it. That's dumb. No, you got to build trust. The respect comes from you being trusted, from you being honest, from you being consistent. I, got, I tell my boys and I tell my daughters this. It's called the DC effect. The DC effect is you're disciplined and you're consistent. When you're disciplined and you're consistent, you're, uh, the woman will see it. You know, progress over, uh, 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 over potential. A woman should see the progress in your life. And then here's the last thing. Uh, I'll say it again. I just talked about that part of um, uh, being a uh, provider. The last thing is being a protector. You not only protect your wife from physical danger, you also protect your wife from emotional damage. I want to challenge men in this area. And I know I could talk about women, but I'm not a woman. So that's area I'm still working through and learning from other women. Men don't be verbally abusive. Words have very, 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 very powerful effect on a woman that you love. And when you tear her down verbally, it is abuse. It is abuse. I know we don't like to talk about this, but I, I, I've done that. In the first uh, five to seven years, I would say seven years of my marriage, I was very verbally abusive. And when I got into big arguments, the new, my wife was from Philly and I was from New York, God rest her soul. We would go back and forth with all that aggression. And I never forget, somebody says, oh, so y'all just verbally abuse each other. I was like, what? The way he said it sounds so detrimental to me. But the reality is I was being verbally abusive. Uh, As as a widower now, 
I ain't going to cry, but I have so many emotions in the area of regret that I'm probably at the best spot to be a good husband. Um, but then my wife passed the cancer. And one of the things I did, I wrote down the things that could have been better, and verbal abuse is one of them. I, I could have been kinder with my words. There's a, there's, a, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, let your speech be seasoned with salt and grace. That means you give the truth in it, but it's so gracious, it's so kind. I didn't do that in the beginning. And I want to challenge a lot of men. If you verbally abuse your wife in the beginning of your marriage, sometimes it's hard to come out of that hole. She will, sometimes a good woman is so wounded that she will hold you accountable for that moment and then make you responsible for a lifetime. And it's hard to forgive. Some people struggle with forgiveness. I know my wife went through that with me at times. She just she was like, I love you, but I just don't want to forgive you right now. And I don't want any man to go through that. I humbly say to you, watch your words with the woman that you love. And I hope this good lesson was good today, man. I, 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 I am taking pride in exposing my own personal failures for the betterment of your success in marriage. And I'm okay with that. I think we need more men to be vulnerable to the mistakes that they make, that they may grow. And as somebody who's newly single in these streets that are dirty, filthy, that I would never want to be a part of, eh? I am hiding from you. I told somebody, I don't want to go from home to the streets. I want to go from one home to the next one, eh? I don't know how God going to do it, but I'm going to trust him because I went outside and it was dangerous. It scared me. I thought y'all was smoking crack when y'all was smoking hookah. That's how much I don't know what it's like to be outside. I said, oh, my God, they smoking crack in the club. Oh, Jesus. But I take the weed. And then somebody's like, nah, that's hookah. I said, so y'all take the top off and y'all smoke that and everybody smoke. I said, oh, y'all going to get some. Y'all going to get some. I said, all these popping it out, putting it back in. That's still saliva going down there too. That's all I'm saying. I'm not built for these streets. <laughs> I was married 19 years and five months. But I say all that to say this, man. Whatever I can do to help you to be successful in your relationship, I, I gracefully do so. Uh, I'm not talking from the mountaintop. I'm talking from the valley low. I began as a failure. Uh, but I hope God will bless me to finish well, you know, like I did with my wife at the end and be able to love somebody again. I consider marriage a privilege. Probably more so than most because I, I've been able to be blessed to have a great woman in my life and uh, have great children uh, from that. And so... With that being said, I appreciate you listening today. And do me a favor. Always remember to love, pray, serve, and share. And guess what you can do? You can do that anywhere. Have a great day.